I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Thank you for honoring my wife. And I can tell you everything Sister Goff said, everything Brother Goff said is true. I know. I know it's true. It's not a show. It's it's who she is. And um, she loves this church. She loves all of you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter six. I, I'm looking for God to do some things around here. I'm hungry for God to restore some things. And um, God's promised to. He's promised to. I believe that he will. But I believe that many times God waits upon his people to get hungry and to cry out. He waits on us to pray. He waits on us to really get hungry enough to seek after him before he starts fulfilling those promises. Amen. And so I want to do everything I can to stir up that hunger in you. Amen. And I want to, I, I tell you, I want to encourage you again, if you haven't, if you hadn't been listening to those, those podcasts, well, first of all, if you hadn't been listening to the church podcast, please do. Please do. Uh, these last three, I've appreciated Brother Goff's questions. I, I'm telling you, it's, it, it really, um, just being able to talk about the miraculous and things that I've seen and and what what um, what I believe God is going to do in this church and it's important it's important that you hear those things but then uh, the podcast with uh, the messages of Elder Davis and men that uh, were a part of his generation I'm still working my way through those but I'm telling you I I'm doing it because I, I want to go back to those days I want to go back I want to have that kind of power again. I want to have that kind of glory again. He's the same God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, there should have been more than one or two amens on that. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen, amen, amen. And I want the depth of his power. I want the depth of his glory. It's more than just a shout and a dance, although that's a part of it, but it's much more than that. Much more than that. I've seen people dance and hoop and holler, and it be as shallow as shallow can be. I really have. And it, it's really little more than, if I can say this, I can say anything I want to. I'm, I'm at that age now. I can just say what I want to say. And I, I, I'm telling you, I... Uh, I've seen people hoop and holler and shout and dance, and it, it really wasn't anything more than just juking and jiving to the music, and uh, it really wasn't the depth of God that I know is out there because I've seen it, I've felt it, I've been a part of it. And I believe God wants to bring it to this church. God wants to bring it to this church, and we're going to see it. We're going to see it, and so you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it and hear it and hear it. If there's anything, if there's anything uh, else that my pastor put in me besides don't call me in and ask to preach, (laughs) 
He also said, if you want something in your church, you preach it into existence. Whatever you want, you preach it and you preach it and you preach it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the more you preach it, the more uh, it'll start to take a hold and people will believe it and you'll begin to see it. Well, hallelujah. Amen, amen. So turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to those podcasts, please do, please, please. Brother Jerry told me he's listened to every one of them and is getting ready to start on his second time through. And... uh and it's, it is worth listening to. I'm telling you, it's worth, even a testimony service. I even got a testimony service in there. That's my, my, my brother Curtis. It's, uh, his, uh, his father-in-law who's now gone on to his reward. But, oh, Brother Milam, Brother Milam was a special man. He was, uh, he wasn't a preacher, but he was a preacher's friend. And, uh, but I'm gonna tell you, he gets up and gets anointed just testifying. You'd think he was a preacher listening to him testify. Tell his story of how God saved him. And um, he was a unique man, unique man. And, and uh, there's a lot there, a lot there for you to hear. And, and uh, I think it'll help you. It'll help you um, to understand where we're going and really even understand a lot that I'm talking about just to go back and listen, amen, and feel I'm telling you, I feel it. There, I, there's hardly one of those podcasts that I don't end up in tears. And uh, even even after the testimony service last night, I just ended up bawling my eyes out. I just, I wept like a baby. And um, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm hungry for more than superficial Pentecost. I'm hungry for more. Well, Hallelujah. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse number 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Now, before I go any further, please notice what's going on here. David had started to bring the ark into the city of David and We'll talk about what happened in just a moment, but he stopped and he, he left it there at the house of Obed-Edom. And then, and then three months passed. David's, David's not even trying to do anything, but all of a sudden David, uh, gets, gets word of something and he says, you know what? I think it's time. Let's, let's go get that ark and let's do what we started out to do. And he went and he did it with gladness, the Bible said. Verse 13, and it was so that when they, that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Amen. Amen. 
I, I want to preach to you this morning, uh, do a little teaching, preaching about bringing home the glory. Bringing home the glory. Praise God. Amen. Let's, let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord right now, everybody. Let's ask God to talk to us. Lord Let's love him. Come on, let's praise him. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Let's let's worship the Lord for just a moment. Let's worship him for a moment. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Ah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Ah, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, now <clears throat> I, I know that most of you are familiar with the particular story that that uh, I have read here this morning, but let me let me just kind of give you a little background into this. This all is taking place in Second Samuel chapter six. You got to understand that just one chapter before is when David was made king over all of Israel. He'd been king in Hebron for a while and, and, uh, over Judah and finally Israel recognized, uh, him as the king that God had chosen. And so David now is the king over all of Israel and, and David has decided that he wants to make, uh, this city of David, which is just, uh, uh, really, it was a, uh, today, it's a part of Jerusalem. It's within the city limits of Jerusalem, but it was, uh, more or less a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, he wanted to make this the, the national capital of their nation and he wanted it to not only be their political capital but he wanted it to be their religious capital now understand it would not be until his son Solomon sat on the throne that they would build the temple and so 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 this was not Jerusalem was not the place where they would gather to worship at this point and uh, uh for years the ark had
had resided in Shiloh. And that's where it was during the days of Samuel until it was captured by the Philistines. And, and you'll remember how that the Philistines had taken it and, and they decided to look at it. And God said, I'm going to teach you boys a few things. And you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't mess around with my glory. You don't, you don't play around with these things. These are holy things. And, and God smote them and, and, uh, and, and they decided we, we better send this back where it came from. And, and they put it on a, a carton and, and, and and tied it to some uh, some cows and sent them home and, and and the cows took off and 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 they knew exactly where to go because God was directing them and uh, and they came uh, to a place and there uh, the ark resided in the house of a man uh, by the name of Abinadab and and it was there for some twenty plus years it was there in the house of Abinadab and and there's only one time after it was taken taken into the house of Abinadab that the ark was even mentioned and that was one time when Samuel went to inquire at the ark of God. Beyond that there really wasn't a lot of talk about the ark but once David became king he decided you know the ark has always been the symbol of the presence of God and the glory of God and and and, and I don't want this to just be a political thing but I want God's blessing on this kingdom and I want God's blessing upon this nation. And that, that was the heart of David. That was, that was what David wanted. David, David wasn't just interested in, in finding peace with his enemies. He wasn't just interested in, in conquering the Philistines, but David wanted peace with God and he wanted the blessing and the favor of God and and he knew that that ark, uh, Amen, represented uh, uh, everything uh, that stood for the blessing and the power and the favor of God. And so David said, "I want to bring it. I want to bring it home. I I want to bring the glory of God to the city where I reside, so that not only is the physical king here, but the spiritual king has got a throne in this city, and everybody will know that there's a throne higher." than mine and there's a king higher than I am and there's one that's sitting upon a throne that gave me this position and he's the one that is going to keep me in power he's the one that's really going to fight for us oh hallelujah amen and so years had passed and and it had been in the house of Abinadab and David said we need to we need to get that ark and we need to bring it up here and so, the, you know, chapter 5, he becomes king. And chapter 6, chapter 6, first thing he does, he said, we're going to go get that ark. And we're going to bring it to the city of David. And so, here's what it says in Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 3. Read for me, Brother Goff. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it into the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. Now, I, I want you to see here's what he did. He, he went and he set the ark of God on a new cart. Uh, you understand it had come to the house of Abinadab on a cart. And you, you also got to understand it's been, it's been many, 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 many years since the ark has been moved at all. Like, like I said, it sat in Shiloh for a long time. Children of Israel used to carry it when they wandered in the wilderness. But once they came into Canaan's land, they set it in Shiloh. 
and and it re, it remained there. They didn't move it from there uh, until they took it out to battle, and the Philistines captured it. And uh, so then the next time that it gets moved, the Philistines had put it on an ark, uh, on a cart. And and so that was the last movement that the ark had made was on a cart. And uh, it's been a long, long time. It's been it's been years, many, many hundreds of years now that uh, that that have passed, and the ark has not been moved. And so David's not really that familiar right now with the process because it's just been too long since it's happened. And so the last time it got moved, it was moved on a cart. So David said, "Let's build a new cart, and we'll put it on a new cart. We'll we'll move it that way again." And and then he said, "I'll tell." you what let's get let's get uh, uh Uzzah and and Ohio and 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 we'll let them drive this cart uh now Uzzah and Ohio you see the bible says that that they were the sons of Abinadab they they were the sons of the the man that uh where this ark had resided in his house for all of these years. They had grown up around this ark. They they were familiar with this ark. They knew about this ark. Now, now I don't know. I don't know. Uh, commentators say that maybe, and, and I do know the Bible many times would say he was the son of, and it really meant the grandson. I don't know. I know if you go back and read, when it came to the house of Abinadab, uh, Abinadab had a son by the name of Eliezer who was sanctified to take care of the ark and so many commentators believe that that uh, Yuza and Ohio were actually grandsons that they were the sons of Eliezer uh, they they do believe that these men were most likely Levites uh, that, and they were sanctified Eliezer was sanctified to care for the cart and so David decided these two men have been raised around this thing they're familiar with it they they know it and so we're going to let them handle this cart and so he got them to drive the cart uh, that had the ark of God on it. And and in the process of bringing it now into the city of David, something happened and, and, and something took place. Uh, read for me. This is now from First Chronicles chapter 13, verse 9. Same story, just a different record. First Chronicles 13, verse 9. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Kaidan, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark. For the ox stumbled. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened. It's sitting on this cart. And the Bible says the oxen stumbled. The ground was evidently not level. Or there was maybe something in the road that they didn't see. They didn't recognize. And, and the oxen stumbled over this. And so obviously the cart began to rock and, and, and the ark setting on that cart began to rock and, and it looked like the ark's gonna come down and, 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 and Uzzah had to reach out. He said, oh, oh God, I can't, I can't let the ark of God fall to the ground. I, I, I can't let this thing touch the ground. I gotta do something about it. And, and so he put forth his hand to hold and steady the ark. Now, I, I don't know I don't know, I don't know, there may have been a couple of factors involved in why Uzzah felt uh, he could do this. Uh, it may have been his extreme reverence for the ark. He didn't want it to get dirty, he didn't want it to hit the ground. Uh, it may have just been reflex. I mean, 
You see something falling, even if it's something that's worthless. It's just kind of a reflex. You reach out and try to grab it, right? I mean, you just, you just do it. But especially something, I mean, this box is covered inside and out with gold. And, and uh, I mean, this is, a, and this is not just any box. This is a special box. And this represents the presence of God. And so it may have been, it may have been just an extreme reverence for this that he didn't want it to hit the ground. And it may have been that he just got a little too familiar with it while it was there in his house too. It may have been that maybe he didn't have quite the reverence he needed for it because he'd been around it all the time. And he just kind of got used to it being there. And he forgot just how special it was. And see, God did allow the priests uh, to carry it, but they were never to touch it. God had put, had them build it with rings on each corner and they had long poles that would go through those rings and God had a way for this thing to be carried and, 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 uh, uh they were to put the, the poles through those rings and the priests were to just put, uh, uh get four of, of these priests and, and, and each of them would, would get one end of a pole and, and they'd carry that ark. And you know, the beautiful thing about it didn't matter how unlevel the road was and didn't matter what happened. As long as it was being carried that way, then, then there was nothing to worry about. The ark's not going to hit the ground. It's not going to fall. It's not going to tumble when it's being carried right. But, but they didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't look to see how God wanted it done. And, and so now they're in this dilemma that, that uh, this thing, this precious thing is about to fall to the ground. And Uzzah reached out and decided he was going to try to help God out. He's going to help God out. Oh, oh, how foolish it is when we think we need to provide the Almighty with assistance. Now stay with me for a little while here today. I'm, I'm telling you, amen, I'm going somewhere today, but, but, but listen, we do it, we do it all the time. We, we, we get into situations and we think we got to give God options. We think we ought to lay it out in such a way that, you know, God, uh, you know, if you just do it this way, then things sure would work out. Or, God, if you do it within this amount of time, and we, we figure out, you know, we, we give God options. That's one of the reasons why I, I've had people say, you know, what do you think about putting a fleece before God? Well, I know Gideon did it, but, but, uh, Gideon did some other things that I wasn't real proud of. And, 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 and I'm just telling you, I'm not a real big fan of putting a fleece before God because it only gives God a couple of options. And I, I believe just, just let God do it the way he wants to do it. I say, God, look, you just make it clear to me. I don't want to miss out on what you're telling me. You just make it clear however you want to make it clear. Because, I mean, it took two of them before Gideon finally got the message. Make it wet and the ground dry. Well, you know, maybe that's an accident. Make it dry and the ground wet. And that's the way it goes. When we give God just a limited number of options, then we start double guessing ourselves. Why don't we just let God do what he wants to do? Why don't we let God make it clear the way he wants to make it clear? Well, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We got to learn to leave matters in his hands. Allow him to take care of things the way and in the, in the time that he wants to do it. Well, don't try to push God. Hallelujah. I gotta, I gotta be careful because my, I don't have a lot of time. I, 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 there's a whole lot of 
Fox trails I could follow right now. Rabbit trails I could go down right now. Amen. I remember one time I was, uh, I was, I was really frustrated over a situation that I, I felt like I needed an answer from God. I had to have an answer from God and God wasn't giving me the answer. And I mean, I went to pray and I started praying and I, I mean, I was telling God, Lord, I've got to have an answer right now. And you want to know the answer God gave me? The answer God gave me was quit trying to force me into doing something. I'll do it when I get good and ready. Well, yes, sir. (laughs) Whatever you say. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, really, it's it's a long story. And he gave me a sermon out of that that I've preached uh, many years ago, but, but he really, he drove it home to me that it's, it's was not my place to tell him when or to tell him how. I don't care how frustrated I got. I don't care how anxious I got. I needed just to leave it in his hands and let him work it out in his way and in his time. And I'm telling you, when I, when I reached that place and I prayed through that frustration and I got a peace about it, would you believe God sent the answer the very next day? It, it just, he was just trying to help me, just trying to teach me. I'm telling you. So we, we, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stop trying to help. Just ask Abraham. If you think helping God out is a good idea. He said, I'll just take Hagar. Yeah. Yeah, and everything that's going on right now. Right now. Thousands of years later. Thousands of years later. Everything that's happening right now. It's because Abraham tried to help God out. That's right. All those people that's bombing Israel right now, you know who they are? They're the descendants of Abraham and Hagar. That's who they are. Well, if Abraham had just let God do it in his time and in his way, things would be a lot different in the world right now. That's what happens when you try to help God out. You make matters worse. All right, all right. You're not liking this too well. So let's go on. Maybe you'll like the rest of this message. Praise God. Amen. So, so, so Uzzah decided he's going to help God out and it cost him his life. It cost him his life. He put his hand to the ark of God. First Chronicles, uh, chapter 13, verse 10. Read for me very quickly here. I got to hurry. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and he smote him. Because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. Yeah, just not a good idea to try to help God out. I don't know what God would have done. I don't know how God would have done it. But I, I believe God would have protected that ark. If God says don't touch it, he means don't touch it. He doesn't mean there are exceptions to touching it. If he says don't, he means don't. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I I, I can't dwell there. But, but listen... Listen, Uzzah wasn't the only one that made a fatal mistake. He wasn't the only one that made a fatal mistake that day because you see, the reason why the ark was being rattled that day was because David had made a fatal mistake. David was the first one to make a mistake because he was trying to do this his way. 
He didn't take the time to research what God wanted. He didn't take the time to look into the scriptures and find out what God had said about carrying the ark. David decided he was going to improve on the Philistine, the Philistines way, amen, of doing it. We're going to do it just like they do it, only better. Well, I could preach there for a while. God help us. Help us not to be looking at churches that are bound in false doctrine, trying to figure out how they're having, they're not having revival. If they're not preaching truth, that's not revival. And I don't want what they're having. Well, oh God help me. I gotta, I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. Listen, I want to tell you something. Amen. We've got to, we've got to do things God's way or don't do them at all. In fact, we've, we've heard this quoted, but I don't know how many of you know this is said twice in the book of Proverbs. Exact same statement is made twice in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to prove this to you. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now that's Proverbs 14 12. Now read Proverbs 16 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Same thing. Amen. This was important enough that God put it in here twice. And I've said to you many times, to the Jews, it was repetition that, that made emphasis. God was emphasizing something. Amen. It seems right to us. It seems logical to us. It seems like the only option for us. But I'm telling you, the ways thereof, amen, the end thereof are the ways of death. We gotta do things God's way, my friend. We gotta learn, amen, to be obedient to what God says. If we're going to see what God wants us to see, we can't do it our way and expect God to bless our ideas and our methods and our plans. We gotta get into the plan of God. We gotta get into the will of God and let God do it His way. Well, hallelujah. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. Amen. I'm telling you, that's why we got so many religions today. Amen. It's because people have decided they're gonna to get to God any old way they want to. Look, if you think you can get to God any way you want to, you need to, you need to go on a little interview tour and you need to talk to Cain. <laughs> Ask him if God accepts just any kind of worship. From the very beginning, God made it clear. Cain may have been worshiping, but God didn't accept it. You need to go talk to the people in Noah's day and find out how many arks there were. In fact, find out how many doors onto the one ark there were. Well, hallelujah. Go talk to the people in Egypt and find out how many plans there were to escape the death angel on the night of the Passover. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Go talk to Lot and find out what it's going to take to get out of sight. Listen to me. I don't care what you look at when God says you got to get out of there to be saved. He only gave one way. And God said, you'll do it my way or you're not getting out. God didn't offer a choice. God didn't say, here's a list. You pick A, B, C, or D, and I'll accept any one of them. God said, you do it my way, or you're not going. 
That's why amen, Jesus looked at Nicodemus uh, and Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot, uh, he cannot, uh, he cannot. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how religious they are. I don't care how much time they spend praying. If they're not born of water and they're not born of spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's not me. That's the word. That's Jesus. Amen. Peter, Peter explained what that was. And he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. That's born of water. He said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's born of spirit. And Jesus said, if you don't do that, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Cannot. It just cannot. It's not going to happen. Amen. Amen. Now, as a result of, of Uzzah's death, uh, David decided, you know, we better just forget this idea bringing the ark we better just leave it right where it is uh i I didn't i wasn't expecting this i i wasn't expecting that we're going to lose somebody over this i wasn't expecting that it's going to cost us a life here we better just forget about it just park it at the nearest house and and let's leave it there and let's just hope and pray that whoever takes it into their house god doesn't kill them too i'm headed back to jerusalem and We'll see if we can come up with another plan another day, but but we better just forget that one. I guess that one wasn't so good. And so David just went back home. And three months passed, and there's not a word about anything going on during those three months. Amen. He he just kind of he just decided he's going to leave it there. Second Samuel chapter six verse ten. Here's what the Bible says. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord. He unto would not. Him. He would ever say he would not. Would not unto him and to the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Yeah, so there they go. David said, oh, nope, not, it's not, it's not going to happen. We're not, we're not taking it to the city of David. It's just not, it's not going. Obed-Edom, you better just steer clear of the thing. There's danger there. You better, you better watch out for it. And, uh, you know, keep an eye on it and make a path around it. I'm going back. Assume my throne, and, and uh, I hope things go well for you, Obed Edom. <laughs> Been nice knowing you. <laughs> Need anything? I'm over here, you know, and uh, Mrs. Mrs. Edom, or whatever. Uh, you and the kids, you know, if you need a burial policy, just remember I'm the king. You just you know, I'll, I'll 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 be sure and take care of Daddy if something happens. You come see me, and uh, I'll make sure you're taken care of. But uh, we're not we're not going to take that thing back to the city of David. We're going to forget about that one. We're going to just move on to something different. But the day came. The day came when David changed his mind, and he said, "You know." I think I do want that ark in the city of David. I think I do want it where I originally planned to put it. 
So read for me 2 Samuel 6 verses 11 and 12. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. Uh-huh, continued there three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom. And all his household. And all his household. Now listen to this. And it was told and King David, saying. And it was saying, told King David, saying. The Lord hath the blessed, Lord the, house blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And all that pertained unto him. And all that pertained him unto him. Because of the because ark Because of, of the ark of God. So David So. Or therefore, or because of what David just heard. David went. Now David had sat there for three months, not worried about that ark, just trying to forget about it all, trying to get it out of his head. But all of a sudden, something stirred him up to say, we're going to go back and get that thing. And you know what it was? It was when he heard that somebody was being blessed because of the ark. And David said, now look, if there's blessings out there to be had, I want them. If somebody's going to get blessed because of that thing, I want them. If somebody's going to have a revival, I want it. If somebody's going to experience God's glory, I want it. Oh, come on, church. If somebody is going to see the power of God move, I want it to be me. Amen. So David went and brought, and the brought up the ark of God from the house from the of Obed-Edom into the, into the city, city of David, of David with, gladness. with gladness. He meant David saw the blessings of God on Obed-Edom and he said, I refuse to just sit around and watch God bless somebody else. I want God to bring glory to my city. I want God to bring glory to my home. I want God to bring glory to my family. I want in on what you're pouring out. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I believe that there were two things that were in David's mind at this time. One was his personal desire for God's glory. God, if you're pouring out blessings, don't pass me by. If you'll do it for Obed-Edom, come do it for David. I'm not happy just watching him be blessed. I want some of those blessings. Well, hallelujah. I'm not happy just knowing that the glory is residing in his house. I want some of it in my house. Come on, somebody. I want to stir something up in somebody's heart today. I want somebody to to grow discontent. Amen. Just hearing stories from around the country. I want somebody to say, God, if you're going to do it, do it in my house. I want somebody to get tired of having loved ones that are lost. And when you hear of God helping somebody else to be saved, you say, God, if you'll do it for them, you'll do it for me. God, if you'll save them, you'll save my son. You'll save my husband. You'll save my lost loved one. Oh. Hallelujah. David said, I I want to enjoy some of this myself. Not enough just hearing the stories. Listen, that's why 
It's one of the reasons why I'm telling you to listen to these podcasts. You know, it's, I'm not just sitting back thinking, oh man, that was nice back there. That's not why I'm ending up in tears, brother Jerry. I end up weeping because I'm saying, God, I remember those days. I remember what it was like. I remember what I felt. And God, if you did it in Bald Springs, Texas, you can do it in Olathe, Kansas. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Amen. I wish I had more time this morning. I talked to Brother Riley the other day. He told me, he said he was teaching on Sunday morning. Had a visitor there. Man, he's in old tattered clothes. Looked dirty, ragged. Probably hadn't shaved or had a haircut in a long time. Man, he looked a mess. He said, I was just teaching away. He said, he said, I got down here. He said, I got into John 3 and 5. He said, I just walked down. So I walked down here, got off the platform. He said, I walked over where that man was sitting. And he said, I, I just showed him my Bible. I said, see, it's right here, John 3 and 5. And Jesus said, except a man be born of water. And he said, the man looked up at him. He said, born of water? Well, that's being baptized. I want to be baptized. He said, the last church I went to wouldn't baptize me. Brother Riley said, you come back tonight, I'll baptize you. The man came back that night. The end of service, Brother Riley uh, got ready to baptize him. Asked him, said, you got any other clothes uh, so you don't have to go home in these that are wet? He said, no, I don't have anything else. He said, that's all right. So they got him something to wear. He said, man, he said, when I baptized him, he said, I brought him up out of the water. He said, the power of God hit him. He said, he started talking in tongues. He said, it was like a lightning bolt. He said, man, he said, he shouted, talked in tongues. He said, after he got through, he said, then he told me his story. He said, preacher, he said, I know I don't look like it. He said, but I've had, I think he said, 12 years of college. He said, I studied music. He said, I studied law. He said, I had a law practice. He said, but I got hungry for God. He said, I was raised an Orthodox Jew. He said, he said, I was hungry for God. He said, I met a man that said he was a Christian. And the man started talking to me about Jesus. Told me if I'd just accept Christ as my Savior, that I'd, I'd be all right. He said, I, I tried it. He said, nothing happened. He said, but I was so hungry. He said, I gave up everything. I quit my job. He said, I shut down my practice. He said, I've been traveling the United States. He said, just like living like a bum, trying to find somewhere where I could find something real. He said, I've been to every kind of church. He said, I went to, to I think the last one he'd been to was Jehovah's Witness. He said, I told them, said, I, I've got to be baptized. And they told me, said, no, no, you're, you're not ready to be baptized. We got to, we got to teach you. We got to take you through classes. You're not ready to be baptized. And, and, and he said, nobody would baptize me. He said, but you did. He said, you showed me in the scripture. And he said, you baptized me. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I'd do everything I've done and give it all up again if I could just get to feel what I felt a while ago another thousand times. He said, I want to feel it over and over and over again. And you know what? I'm not jealous of Brother Riley. I'm saying, God, there's one of those somewhere here in Olathe. He's somewhere here, God. Ah, direct him here, God. I want you to send him. If you'll do it for Brother Riley, you'll do it for us. <laughs> 
Oh, Jesus. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be seated. He meant two things. I said two things. I believe were in David's mind. One was his personal desire for God's glory. Lord, if you're pouring out blessings, don't pass me by. And I think there was a second thing, and that was his national desire for God's glory. Lord, I don't want to keep this locked in the four walls of our home. Our entire nation needs what you're doing for Obed-Edom. God, I'm not just praying for Olathe, but I'm looking at this metropolitan area. I'm looking at all of Kansas. I'm looking across Missouri. I'm looking at the United States. I'm looking at the continent of Africa. I'm looking all around the world. God, somewhere there's got to be another Azusa Street. Somewhere there's got to be another shaking. There's got to be another outpouring. God, I want you to do it for this nation. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Romans 2 verse 11 says this. For there is no, respect, there is of no respect of persons with God. with God. You hear me? What God did at Azusa Street, he'll do for Monticello Terrace. I'll say it again. What God did on Azusa Street, he'll do on Monticello Terrace. There's no respecter of persons with God. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, they got on boats. They got on trains. They got in their cars. They went from all around the world to Azusa Street to see and to feel what was going on there. And if God did it at Azusa Street, he can do it on Monticello Terrace. There is no respect of persons with God. didn't stay this way I know I know some of you know and I'm not going to go into it and I, I don't I don't want to speak that I know things I know things didn't end up all that well in my home church but I'm telling you there was a day when the power of God was real and it was deep and I'm just telling you that's what I'm looking at and I remember the miracles and I remember the people walking in. He meant God healing the sick. He meant God filling souls with the Holy Ghost. I remember the glory that was there. And I'm saying, God, if you did it at 3707 Peachtree Road, you can do it. He meant at 11995 South Monticello Terrace. If you did it for James Davis, you can do it for Greg Riggin. I'm telling you, there's no respecter of person with God. God is the same. 
God is giving anyone revival. If God is showing his glory to anyone, he'll do it for us. He'll do it for you. Something needs to rise up in you that says, God, I want it for me. I want it for my family. I want it for my home. I want it for my church. Well, hallelujah. I don't have time to go into it. It's been said, I've preached it, others have preached it, but we got to get the attitude of the four lepers that went into the camp of the Syrians. And they found all those things. And first thing they did, they started hiding it. And then one of them looked at the others and said, you know, we do not well. This is a day of good tidings. We need to go tell somebody else what we got a hold of. Hallelujah. We got to share this with somebody else. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, we can't share it until we get it. Hello. I said, we can't share it till we get it. I want to put a desire in the hearts, amen, of everybody under the sound of my voice. Whether you're sitting in this sanctuary or listening online, amen, or somebody listening later on after it's been published on the website, amen. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are when you hear this message. I want to put something in your heart, amen, that says, oh God, I want to experience it for myself. I'm tired of it just being a story. I'm tired of just hearing what you did. I'm tired even of hearing what you're doing somewhere else. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to experience it. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, help me, Jesus. I got 17 minutes to cover three pages. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. Amen. When David heard about the blessings that were on the household, (laughs) my watch just told me, here it is not even noon, my watch just told me, I've I've already achieved my exercise goal for today. So what happens when you set your goals low? Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. These smart watches are not as smart as they think they are. I remember one time I'd stood in Africa for hours and I got a notification. It said, it's time to stand. I said, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> Tell me it's time to sit down. Don't tell me it's time to stand. I've been standing for hours. Amen. David heard about the blessings that were on the household of Obed-Edom. He decided it was time for that same glory to come to his house. Amen. The last time he had tried to pursue that course of action, however, he did it wrong. And it brought disaster. And he knew he had to do things differently this time. I found four things, I found four things in this story that David did that I believe helped him get the glory successfully to the city of David. Let me try to go through them quickly here this morning. 
Amen. First of all, God had said, carry the ark on the shoulders of the priests. And that's exactly the way David directed that it be done this time. First Chronicles 15, verse 2. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And then verse 15. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of God. And so the first thing was obedience. David said, you know what? We better get back to the scripture and do what the Bible tells us to do. If we're going to bring the favor of God, we're going to have to do things the way God tells us to do it. See, my friend, God is a meticulous God. He is a God of love. I'm not saying he's not. He is a God of love. But I'm going to tell you, he is a very meticulous God. And God does expect obedience. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said this. If you love me. If you love me. Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. 1 John chapter 2 verse 4 says this. He that saith he I know that him. He says I know him. And keepeth not his but commandments. But does not keep his commandments. Is a liar. Is a, well that's strong language. Yes sir. But that's Bible. It's, it is the inspired word of God. Amen. This is, this is 1 John chapter 2 verse 4. If we could get that on the wall there. 1 John chapter 2 verse Four, praise God. Amen. Read it again. Read it again. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He that saith, I know him, but he doesn't keep his commandments. He is a liar. Oh, that's strong. I'm telling you, that's strong. Now, this is, this is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Look, folks, folks want to always talk about legalism, legalism, legalism. This is not legalism. This is love. This is love. It's love. You know, look, I don't, this is just me. But if, if, if my wife tells me, you know, you really need a new suit. I, I just, I don't, I just don't go to the store and pick out a suit. I just don't. It's just me. I, I want her to go with me. Because I want it to be something she likes. Is it because she controls me? No. It's because she's the one I'm trying to please. And, and, and honestly, I mean, I'm not being ugly about it. But I don't care if nobody else likes it. I want her to like it. Because I love her. And I want her to be pleased. Well, Hallelujah. Love dictates to me that I'm going to seek to please her. Well, that's real love. Real love doesn't say, I don't care whether you like this or not, I'm going to wear it. Because I like it. That's not love. But that's the way some people do the Lord. His word says, don't do this. And we're saying, I don't care if God likes it or not. I like it. 
Well, you're a legalist for telling us we can't do it. No, no, no. I'm telling you, if you love him, then you want to please him. And if you know he doesn't like it, then you don't do it. That's love. Let me give you one more here. Let me give you one more. I'm trying to hurry. Amen. First John chapter five, verse three. For this is the love of God. This is the love of God. That we keep that his commandments. We, well. Now I didn't, I got one amen in this whole crowd. So thank you, brother Josh. I recognize the voice there. So, so let's, let's read this again. Cause I want to make sure everybody really hears what this says. For, for this for is the this, love of God. For this is the love of God. What's the love of God? That we keep his commandments. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Now that's the love of God. That's the love of God. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. It's not hard for me to live the way God wants me to live. That's not difficult because I love him. And I want to please him. That's not hard. Amen. When you love somebody, it's not hard. It's not grievous to do what someone uh, wants you to do when you love them. When you love them. Praise God. Amen. I got to hurry. All right. So number one, number one was obedience. I'm going to say obedience. All right. Number two. Here's the second thing I see in all this. Uh, read for me Second uh, Samuel 6 verse 13. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. He sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Let me say it this way. Offering. Everyone say offering. Now, I'm not talking about money. You see, today, God's not interested in oxen and fatlings. You know what God wants us to offer today? Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies you present a living your bodies sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, holy, unto, acceptable God, unto God. Which is your this reasonable is your re- service. You know what God wants today? He wants you. That's what he wants. God wants, as an offering, God wants you. We call him Lord. But that word has meaning. Oh, Jesus, now's when all the running stops. But do we really want the glory? I'm talking about how David got it to the city of David. He tried the first time doing it his way, and it didn't work. It resulted in death. But the second time, he actually got the glory there. And I'm trying to teach us how we're going to get the glory here. We want it. I want it. Do you want it? Do you really want it? Well, hallelujah. Amen. First of all, there's got to be obedience to his word. Then we got to offer ourselves to God. That means if he knocks on our heart's door in the middle of the night, we're going to roll out of bed and say, God, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. If he wants me to go talk to my neighbor, I'm going to get up and go talk to my neighbor. Whatever he asks of me, I don't belong to myself. I've offered myself to him. Hallelujah. Prayer's not a drudgery. Fasting's not difficult. Being in church is not something I dread because I'm offering myself to Him. 
Well, hallelujah. Every part of you is to be sanctified unto the Lord. That word means set apart. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 to 23. I'm trying, I'm trying. Eight minutes. I'm going to do my best to get there. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 15 through 23. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Yeah, yeah, read. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Pray without Pray ceasing. without ceasing. In everything give in thanks. everything give For thanks. this is the will of God in Christ Jesus yes. concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesy. Despise not prophesy. Prove all things. Prove all things. Hold, Hold fast, fast that which is good. That which is good. Abstain from all appearance Abstain of evil. All appearance and the of very evil. God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now listen, here's the way it all comes down. Everything he said up to this point, he's summarizing now. And the very God of peace sanctify you or set you apart wholly. That's not H-O-L-Y. W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means completely, entirely. That every bit of you needs to be sanctified to God. Your heart, your mind, your emotions. Well, hallelujah. And yeah, your pocketbook is a part of it. Well, your time. Everything, everything, everything. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit spirit and soul and body body be preserved blameless blameless under the the coming coming of our our Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. That's every part of you. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Number three, number three, I gotta hurry. Number three. So we got, we got obedience. We got offering. Number three, number three. First, uh, I'm sorry, second chronicles. No, first chronicles. First chronicles 15 verse one. Now look at this. And David made him houses in the city of David. David made him houses in the city of David. Prepared a place for the ark of God. For the ark of God. And And he pitched for it a a, tent. He pitched for it a tent. Now, before David ever went to get it, he set up a tent. David believed it's coming home this time. Right. David didn't say, let's go try it and see if it works. And once we get it here, we'll set up a place for it. Are you with me? Three of you are. So let me try it again. We're going to stay here all day till you get this. So if you're hungry, you're going to get it. Or at least pretend you got it. Well, hallelujah. But you don't, you don't want to lie in the house of God. I would remind you of one Ananias and his wife Sapphira. So, so look, here's what I'm saying. This, this, this is before he goes to get it from the house of Obed-Edom. Before he does anything, he builds a place where it's going to reside. Because now remember last time he tried it. It was death. But this time. He said it's coming home. There's no question. It's coming home this time. That's faith. That's faith. It's going to happen. I believe it with all of my heart. Amen. When David determined that the ark would come, he had no doubt that it would return. That's why he prepared a place for it and pitched a tent for it before he ever went to get it. 
Well, hallelujah. I'm preaching to this church. We got to ask God to build our faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Amen. Uh, when I was in Colorado Springs Sunday night, Sister Reba, I, I felt led of the Holy Ghost to tell the story of God healing Rebecca. And the thing, the thing that stands out to me in that whole story is the fact that Brother Davis was preaching and he made a statement. He said, if you doubt God, you doubt that God's going to do what he said he would do in his word. You're calling God a liar. And, and Rebecca, for those of you who don't know, Rebecca had epilepsy. She was having severe seizures. They had said that she would be held back in school. It would never really amount to anything because the seizures were so frequent. Even on medication, they weren't able to control the seizures the way they needed to. But that night, Brother Davis was preaching. And he, he said, he said, if you doubt God, is going to do what he said in his word. You're really calling God a liar. And Sister Reba's sitting there that night, and she said, God, I don't want to call you a liar. And she brought little Rebecca down. She was, what, about six years old, something like that. Brought her down to the front. Amen. For us to pray for her. Amen. Prayed for her that night. Got her home. Sister Reba, being the mama that she is, got out the medicine and said, here, it's time for your medicine. And Rebecca looked up at her and said, Mama, I don't need that medicine. Jesus healed me tonight. Sister Reba said, I'm not going to cause my baby to doubt. She took that bottle and dumped it. Amen. Dumped it out, put it down the drain. I got the empty bottle still in my office today. Amen. That, that's been 25 years ago. There's never been another seizure since. Now listen to me. Here's the reason I said it. Because what Brother Davis said is the truth. This is why without faith it's impossible to please God. Because when you don't believe that God is going to do what he said, you're calling God a liar. And God doesn't like to be called a liar. It's the devil that's a liar. But God is true. And honey, God said he'd heal. He said, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Oh, yes. You know what we need to do? We need to do what David did. We need to pitch a tent. We need to build a place. Do you really believe God's going to fill this house? You need to act like it. Hey, hey, hey. If God fills this house, you know what? You're not going to be able to drag it late. Because you won't find a seat if God fills it up. We need to act like we believe.
Oh, Jesus, help me tonight. I'm telling you, we got to do something to pitch a tent. We got to show God. See that tent right there, God? I believe you're going to bring it home this time. I believe you're going to bring it home this time. I know, I know for 25 years I preached it, preached it, preached it, but I'm going to tell you, I believe, amen, something's stirring that has never stirred in the 25 years that I've been here. There's something happening that's never happened before. I'm telling you, Brother Goff, I've never felt what I'm feeling. I've never experienced what I'm experiencing. Here at the True Church, there's something deeper that's going on than what's ever going on. You better get ready. You better get ready. I'm telling you, I'm building a tent. I'm setting up a tent. Something is happening. Oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Amen. As I preached Sunday night in Colorado Springs, I had it lined out. I had all these stories I was going to tell about the miracles I've seen. I don't know. I think I got through about two of them, brother, brother Jared. I think it was about two of them is about all I got done. And, and brother Mark Webb, amen. He, 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 all of a sudden he come up out of his pew and he come running down the aisle and he began to shout and dance. And, and, and I'm telling you, God touched him. And it wasn't long till everybody else was coming out of their pew. Oh, I'm telling you, church, I feel so going on around here I feel something stirring something's happening in the spirit we gotta pitch that tent God the glory's coming home the glory's coming home oh Jesus I gotta hurry I gotta hurry I'm already past time I'm past time I'm past time I don't, I don't have time to go into everything I was going to go into here on faith. But I'm telling you, we got, we got to ask God to build our faith, build our faith, build our faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen. Let me give you the fourth thing. I got to close. I got to close. Amen. There's not enough to make this into a series. I only got one more point. Amen. And we'll be done. Hallelujah. So let me give you the fourth thing. We got, we got obedience. We got offering. We got faith. And number four, listen to this. Second Samuel chapter six, verses 14, 15. And David, David danced before danced the Lord with all his before might. Before the Lord with all his might. And David girded with the linen ephod. Uh-huh. So David with all the house of Israel all brought up the, the ark of the Lord. Of Israel. Uh-huh. With shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. All the house of Israel. Amen. This is verse 15. Amen. All the house of Israel. Amen. Brought up the ark with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Oh, hallelujah. The fourth thing. Amen. We got obedience. We got offering. We got faith. And now the fourth thing is fervor. 
Amen. Fervor. Amen. I want to go back and read a verse I read a little while ago, and I want to show you something I saw last night. I've never seen it in this verse, but First Chronicles 15, verse 1. Read that again. And David made him houses in, David the, city made him of houses David, in the city of David. Prepared a place prepared for the a ark of place God. For the ark of God. And pitched for it. A and tent. he pitched for it a tent. Now, now wait a minute. I never noticed this, brother God, but it says he prepared a place for the ark of God and. He pitched for it a tent. Now that sounds like that's two different things. Doesn't it? He prepared a place and he pitched a tent. And maybe it was. Maybe that was two different things. Because you see, Psalm 22 verse 3 says this. But thou art, but holy, thou art holy and oh that inhabitest the, the praises of Israel. See, David, David pitched a tent where the ark could reside but David also prepared a place and he did that when he danced before the Lord with all of his might and all of Israel was shouting unto God you know what they were doing they were preparing a place a place where God could inhabit it was through the fervor of their worship amen they worshiped God with everything they had there was no just sitting around giving it a good nod once in a while amen yep Yep, yep. No, no, no. I'm telling you, they did it with all their might. Uh, there wasn't even any fancy two-step. Uh, there was no control left. Uh, there was none of this uh, fancy bunny hop that I see today. But I'm telling you, they just let loose uh, with everything uh, that they had in them. Uh, they worshipped. I'm telling you, my old pastor, he used to go when he'd go preach for somebody. He'd walk down the aisle of the church before he'd ever preach there. And he'd grab the back of the pew and he'd shake it. And he said, he told me, he said, this is what I figure. If it's bolted down real tight, they're not having much of a move of God around here. He said, if they're really having a move of God, some of these pews are going to be loose. He said, somebody's going to be, somebody's going to be kicking and carrying on and they're going to knock a few of these loose. Amen. He used to say, you could tell what kind of service we had on Sunday night. Now, I, I don't even know if y'all use these anymore, but, but back then, I mean, we're talking about, the, you know, 1970s. And, uh, he said, he said, Monday morning, I'd come to the church, count how many bobby pins were laying around the front of the church. He said, ladies, shout their hair down. Amen. Oh, we've learned how to do it now with precision. You know, we, we, we maintain control while we're shouting and dancing and we know how to do it and still look proper and not get anything out of place. But I remember when the saints of God used to shake and there was no dignity about it. They, 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 they dance. Amen. They roll. There was nothing. Amen. No pride involved. Oh, God, take us back to that kind of fervor where we can shout and worship and not worry about the way we look before anybody else oh help me Jesus musicians you better come I gotta quit I gotta quit hallelujah yeah it was in this story it was in this story that David danced. Amen. And he danced in such a way that his wife looked out the window. 
she was embarrassed. And boy, when he came walking in the door, she was a smart aleck. Well, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Now see, she was the daughter of a king. She knew how a king was supposed to act. She'd never seen her dad act like that. And that's exactly one of the reasons why her dad got rejected. Her dad never knew how to worship God. And that's kind of what David said without saying it. He said, I want you to know something. I didn't do it to you. I did under the God that chose me before your father. Well, I'm sure that was a happy home from that day forward. Yeah. Hallelujah. She said, you've made a fool out of yourself, David. He said, if you think this was foolish, just hide and watch, honey. Because I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And I don't know when it was that David penned Psalm 150. But it might have been while he was sitting there thinking about all the criticism he'd just gotten from his wife. He said, I just want to say this to anybody that will listen. Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a psaltery and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. This is what brings the glory back. This is what brings the glory. I'm going to praise him with fervor. I'm going to praise him with everything I've got. Oh, don't ever be embarrassed to worship God. Don't ever be embarrassed to turn loose. Don't ever be embarrassed to run these aisles. Don't ever be embarrassed to dance before the Lord. Don't ever be embarrassed to roll in these floors.
Oh, that's it, saints. Bring it home. Bring it home. Bring it home. 